all y'all to know, this is my own boogie woogie. Do it just like I tell you. Now when I try to hold it, I want to try it, to hold it, don't you move a pig. And when I try to get it, won't you try your best to get it? Like letting hold yourself. Southern Rock Podcast, a southern storm of bold, liberating rock, shot through with blues, soul, and gospel. And now, your hosts for the show, Brian Jones and Jason Johannes. Welcome back to this week's episode of the All Things Blues and Southern Rock Podcast. Thank you for the downloads. Thank you for participation on the Facebook page. Always seeing uh, really great, interesting stuff that you guys share and always with me is Jason. What's up, man? Hey, man. I'm doing all right. How are you doing? Good. You are wearing your Them Dirty Roses t-shirt. I am wearing my Them Dirty Roses t-shirt, and I'm wearing that because I got to see Them Dirty Roses perform Them Dirty Roses perform live in Columbus, Ohio um, for my first live music in like 15 months. My wife and I both went both double vaccinated. They had nice COVID protocols with limited space and seating. And uh, they were awesome. They viewed a lot of new new material that's coming out on this album. That's coming out at the end of April, which I think Andrew and the dudes owe us to hop on and talk about it. Maybe one of our quick hitters. Um, played a couple covers. Killed Led Zeppelin's Rock and Roll, Allman Brothers' um, um, Whip, Whipping Post, and also did a nice version of Mississippi Queen. Um, so... It was a good show. It was, it was nice to be there. I felt comfortable. They rocked it. Um, Andrew hooked us up. There were no tickets available, and he made sure my wife and I found a seat somewhere. And it was a very gracious guy. Very nice guy. Well, thank you for Andrew. Um, you got to talk to him a little bit before and after? Yeah, you know, we, it's kind of weird because we talk to people and we see him on video, right, through all this thing, but never met him in person. Yeah, he came out and, and chatted with us for five, 10 minutes. And, uh, it was good to meet him in person say hi. And, you know, he's, they're having a good time out there on the road. The shows have been going over well. They're definitely tight, you know, from practicing and from playing a lot. They sound good. Well, you know, I'm going to try to see them. Uh, it's uh, May 8th in Henriette, Minnesota. So I'm planning, planning on hitting that, uh, looking at, a, you know, possibility of doing a whiskey Meyer show or two here in june or maybe august and might do a blackberry smoke show in, in august in iowa so hopefully that stuff's all still going to go on and uh be good to see some shows again oh it was it was so nice to see live music again i mean they were good but it also um the fact of just being out somewhere again to hear and, and see live music in person also made that experience really really great mm-hmm. awesome. we had a good time so, you know, besides music here, you know, we talk about, you know, uh, some of our, uh, you know, friends and people that we'd like to talk to over across the pond. You know, we've talked to uh, Andy Southernrose and Jeff over there in Southern Brotherhood. We've talked to Mike Ross, and those have been great, interesting conversations. And it's, you know, it's so cool to see that there's, you know, that kind of bluesy Southern thing going on over there as well. 
well-received, growing, popular. These guys all go out and support one another and know each other. Well, I think everybody knows Mike and Mike knows Everybody him. knows Mike. Pretty sure. He's the glue that holds that scene together in the UK. <laughs> I think so. I think so. They could pick a better ambassador. So, you know, in, uh, we hadn't done... Uh, Mike was the last across the pond uh, episode. Or last he was. We had Darren pond. Flower from Canada, but that wasn't technically an across the pond episode. Nope. So we were uh, due for one, and uh, that's a good segue into who we just talked to this evening yeah um and we spoke to jade williams from a band called jade like the stone they are a, a, a blues pop folk not pop folk rock soul influenced band and it's uh i mean it's really cool it harkens back to some of the 60s and 70s kind of psychedelic bluesy rock and uh just really cool stuff and you know, always a good conversation when we get to meet somebody new, particularly somebody from another country. Yeah, and she definitely got a psychedelic uh, element to her music. Very much uh, reminiscent of things in the mid to late 60s. You know, we talked a little bit about The door. surprisingly. We talked about Jefferson Airplane. Um, but she talked poetry, about poetry, yeah, whales, poetry, classical piano. She talked a lot about, you know, that kind of stuff going on over there. So... And we're talking, I'm seeing you like writing down names of bands that she's talking, I'm trying to remember them. <laughs> yeah, you know, she were, she gave us a lot of American artists and I try to write down some names of it too. And I'm gonna have to go back and re-listen to this because I don't think I did a good job of, of getting the names right. You know, and she was so gracious to talk to us because over there it's, you know, she's six hours ahead of us. So it's, you know, past 11 o'clock now over there. It's just, a, yeah. it's you know, yeah. 10 o'clock for her. So that was... That was uh, very awesome of her, and she was just delightful to talk to. And, uh, you know, we're probably going to do, at some point, we're going to do a uh, across-the-pond roundtable with, you know, she said she'd do it. I'm sure Mike would. We'll hopefully get a couple other people. Especially if these artists that know each other. It'll make it a lot easier to kind of talk through the things, particularly once. It sounds like the U.K. is starting to open up again. They've got a lot of vaccinations out. Certain Mm -hmm. pubs are becoming open and things. So we should have something to chat with them they're getting out yeah. there and playing quite a bit but i dig her music man i was i was cranking it today while i was getting a little bit of work done it's got a nice groove to it um it's you know kind of sticks around with you a little bit you know and i, I can't wait for andy southern rose to hear this yeah you, know, you know hear these episodes well he digs all of them man. he's a good he's like, sounding board he he's like our number one fan he really is <laughs> and we're big fans of his but uh, especially i wanted to hear his take on uh on this uh, episode from across the pond. So thank you very much, Andy. We'll uh, know you'll be posting some really cool, positive things about this. We thank you for that, brother. So let's just get right into our chat with Jade Williams from Jade Like the Stone. Sickness 
Here on the guest segment this week of the All Things Blues and Southern Rock podcast, and I always uh, uh, throw it over to my co-host Jason here to tell listeners who we have with us this week. Thanks, Brian. We have one of our special across the pond episodes that we become quite fond of as we dig into a lot of this UK and European music scene um, today. From across the pond, we're going to have Jade Williams from Jade Like the Stone on. How you doing, Jade? Hi, I'm really well. Thank you, guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us. I know it's late there, so we appreciate it. If you, if you yawn, we know it's not because you're bored of us, but it's just late. Yeah, it's, it's all good. I'm used to being late, I think. You know, lockdowns have made me a bit of an old woman. I'm going to bed pretty early, but, you know, I'm, I'm okay. <laughs> so why don't you just tell us kind of how you got started in music? Yeah, I started pretty young. I was um, a classical pianist and I used to do lots of musical competitions, specifically Welsh music competitions, which are called Eistedd Vorde. Um, and Wait a minute, can you repeat that? Yeah, Eistedd Vorde. <laughs> um, it's basically a, a music competition and festival of poetry and song and it's highly regarded in a cultural you know, thing within Wales. So that's where I started out. And yeah, started singing, started singing opera um, and then broke free from that as a session singer and started becoming an original artist when I was quite young. So yeah, in my 20s, something like that, early 20s. <laughs> and so what did you do from there? Like at, at what point do you start your own band? Um, I started promoting other artists on the London music scene at that time and then people were just calling for me to do um, to appear and collaborate and, and write with them because they discovered my background in music and my poetry and lyricism um, and then just musicians would approach me and ask me to do stuff and then in the end just people I vibed with or thought that were amazingly musically gifted or that I was comfortable with I started to form bands around or was invited with and and that's how it all started really so when does Jade like the stone start and I know besides that being your name what's the rest of the the significance of the rest of the name of the band yeah, well, I was in a prog rock band before Jade Like the Stone called Dubellos, and then uh, I decided to do a solo act, and I just didn't want to call myself Jade. I don't think it had enough <laughs> enough power, so um, I decided to call myself Jade Like the Stone. It's just a play on words. It's and it's also because people don't understand my accent sometimes. So when I say hi, my name's Jade, they often go, "What June Jude?" I've had. <laughs> What else have I? I've had Dave. Someone's actually thought I said Dave once. Uh, <laughs> but I always I thought you said Dave. 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 Although you shout Dave, it kind of sounds <laughs> good. I can I can understand. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so I go, "Hi, I'm Jade, like the stone," and then it just stops any confusion. Ah, nice. <laughs> so what? Like, where around did you start doing that? Did you mention London or? Yeah, um, so I, I don't know. I've been on the London music scene quite a long time. I was a session singer, like I say, for underground indie hip hop artists, right through to folk, 
prog rock, psych rock and roll, like just such a mad bag and mixture of things. And that, you know, I ended up in Debello's where we did some amazing gigs. We were together for five years. Um, we toured Europe, we toured UK. Jimmy Page has come to so many of our gigs, supported us. Um, so that, you know, we really rode that high. We had Chris Kimsey produce us as well, which was another high for us. And then from there, I was invited to sing on The Voice UK, where I won a place on Team Tom. And at that point, it just seemed, you know, I should just do my solo thing, actually uh, go for it with my writing, not just be hemmed in or penned into kind of one style, I suppose. You said two very important names. I'm going to go back and and talk a little bit about. One of which is my favorite guitarist from one of my favorite bands ever, Jimmy Page. And he was a big fan of your old your band, Dubellos. How did yeah. you connect with him, get to know him? How did he become a fan? Um, our old manager, Pete Makowski, who is an amazing rock journalist. He's, he's history in himself and the stories that he has. He um, is a friend and associate with Jimmy. And he invited him to a gig, which we did, wasn't aware of <laughs> in West London. <laughs> what point we- were you aware he was there? Five minutes before we went on stage. Oh, and how did that make you feel? Like, okay, you better, you better do all right tonight. <laughs> no pressure? No pressure whatsoever. But I thought I'm not the guitarist, so. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to be focusing on the guitar player the whole time. That would, you know what? I play guitar. That would freak me the hell out. Yeah, I, there was two guitarists in the band and I just looked at their faces and they went white and I thought this is brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> So that watching them squirm was great, but they played brilliant set, a blinder, to the, so much that the, he came back and he came back to quite a few gigs and even gave us a handwritten quote to use and things like that. So, Wow. Yeah. Now, it would have been really cool because he has such a, a love of, like, folk music. If you guys could have done something together, that would have been, I mean, come on, have you guys talked about that? Well, I haven't seen him in in many years, but he, you know, last time I saw him, he he was remarking that he loved the track Luminaire and he particularly liked the name of that. And as a lyricist, um, I was like pretty chuffed with that because I, I I'm very particular about my names and my visions that I mm-hmm. create in my lyrics. And for for a fellow musician and of somebody of that caliber to turn around and notice such a incremental thing was really cool. Yeah, it was like, wow. But um, yeah, I think he's been on travels and DeBello's wound down and I started a solo career and COVID hit. So yeah, here we are now. <laughs> well, number two, though, and you glanced over it there right at the end, you said Team Tom. Now, I think we need to clarify Tom as in Tom Jones, correct? Oh, yes. Tom Jones. Yes. And he's from my country as well. And he's on yes. the road from where i'm from so now did he choose you because of your your country of origin as well do you think that that influenced that i don't think he could hear it i don't think he oh, could okay this it. truly is a blind audition so sure i mean your voice is great i just didn't know well, that's true i don't really watch the voice my wife and daughter like the voice and i you know i pass by and that's right they're in the chair and they flip around when they hear I've never watched it before during <laughs> so don't worry. <laughs> My family watches like American Idol and The Voice and all that. I just pass through because usually they're not singing a lot of the music I like. Now maybe in the UK or something it might it might be, but you know it's really super poppy in the US or or country. Yeah, 
Um, I chose to sing um, an indie band cover from the from '96. Um, it's called Secret Smile, and then they, uh, the wonderful musician and an MD of the Voice there in Britain, uh, rearranged it to sound a bit like psych folk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's really cool. So that was a thrilling experience just to watch that level of musicianship and to see those session musicians out on the road professionally like supporting Terry Reid for example I mean I managed to see Terry Reid live a few times and then seeing the drummer that was playing with me on the voice and then playing with Terry Reid was just that that's cool (laughs) because Terry Reid to me is a wow what a vocalist what a guy what a writer for sure did you I mean what was one good piece of advice that Tom gave you working on, on his team on the show. <laughs> be as candid as possible. Um, he didn't give me any advice. So it was just, that was good. <laughs> so I say no, no news is good news. You know, it was, it was just all, yeah, that was great. Thumbs up. That's it. <laughs> that, yeah. Did so he... you mentioned psych a lot and it seems like that, you know, there's, you have that psychedelic sound and, your band is that like a happy accident or is that you know intentionally try to do that or i think it's a happy accident actually it it was something that just came about i don't think i even thought of it consciously but then the way we weave together quite contrasting sections and um interesting subjectivity within the lyrics and harmony and you know, it has traits of psych, and I love psych music. I'm so drawn to it as a listener. Um, it just seems like it, I, I found more of a home and happy accident, as you say. It, it, it occurred that way, yeah. How, how does your writing process work? Then? Um, it depends what project we're talking about, if it's specifically for session work or if it's with an, another type of original for, project. For, your, for Jade Like the Stone. For Jade Like the Stone. It's very unconscious work at first. Um, I always sit behind the piano or auto harp, or I sit with my bassist, uh, Richard Leeds, um, and we just jam together and we try to create a vibe, try to create a scene, a mood, um, and a feeling. I record absolutely everything I do and I just listen back to everything and start to weave pictures and stories and and things like that. Sometimes it's lyric driven, sometimes it's melody driven and sometimes it's texture driven. So yeah, it's a nice mix. Well, so how many, do you write a lot of it just yourself or do you have guys, you know, anybody in the band co-writing or? Um, I write a lot of it myself. Um, I would say one of my co-writers is Richard Leeds um, because we just connect as musicians. I love his bass lines and he has such a melancholic and nostalgic quality to his guitar playing that I just really connect to. So, um, yeah, he's one of my co-writers, but I mainly do everything myself. So, yeah. Who who makes up your band right now? That's a great question to ask because it's quite variable at this moment okay um i'm going to be doing an incredible gig in january at the hundred club in london which is a legendary venue and we're doing it for january blues festival and there we're going to be using what we call the company band which is a selection of top, top, top session musicians over here in the uk that um my booking agency big i am 
I've put together, not just for myself, but for other artists like Georgia Van Etten. Don't know whether you've heard of her, she's incredible. Connor Selby, Laura Evans and Holly Rogers. And we're we're basically going to do this huge showcase together as a big I Am family using these top session musicians. But I'm also going to be doing shows with the incredible band called the Funkestra, uh, Rhett and Backers Funkestra. And again, they're made up of the Europe's top session musicians, um, such as guitarist Tony Remy, Stefan Rettenbacher um, himself, Mike Sturgis on the drums, amazing people. So, uh, uh, yeah, the, those are two different bands. And then I'm also going on the road solo, and sometimes I'll be on the road as a duo. <laughs> sometimes mm-hmm. I'll have a trio if I if I have my friend Kieran joining me for some beautiful harmonies as well. So it's a varied mix. Have you? Pref- already recorded some music with the Funkadelic Orchestra. Like, is there some tracks out or something out right now? Yeah, with the Funkish, uh, Rettenbacher's Funkestra, we did a collaborative live album together called Seven Roads, in which they took a lot of my original writings and arranged them and, and reimagined them, as well as one collaborative track with Stefan and Grant Watson that we wrote together. Um, so, yeah, that's available to pre-order at the moment and will be released within the next couple of months so that's pretty exciting and you're and that's on your website too if we go on your website i think there's there's a page right with your music okay yeah i've tried to put in capital letters and linked it you know shout i'm out. trying to pronounce it i'm looking at it right now it's the <laughs> red bockers Funkestra. so if you think of the let's if you break up the words to red ten bacher red ten bacher red ten bacher yeah are it's they good. german um no he's austrian stefan oh well okay uh, but if you just like google his name google their names you'll be like wow <laughs> the stuff they've done people they've played with the compositions they've done themselves and the albums he's achieved is just it's just mind-blowing yeah it's pretty cool so who are your biggest influences growing up in in music yeah um <laughs> I would say composers like Debussy. Um, I would say singers like Billie Holiday. <laughs> That's a good uh, choice. Yeah. Classic. They, I, they were the ones that spoke to me. If, if I'm going right back to when I was a small child, those those are the two sounds that changed my life, that changed my musical identity, I would say. Um, moving on into The Smiths, just his wordplay and the way he can tell a story was just mind-blowing to me as a small child (laughs) (laughs) and then I yeah I don't really have influences I'm more I'm trying to look into my own culture when it when it comes to writing and I'm trying to look at the mysticism of of being a Welsh person so that's a good good segue to where I was going to go next so being you know how does your heritage really play into kind of what you're doing musically or artistically uh well in wales we regard poetry to be the highest one of the highest of art forms and your class is a bard if you're a poet or a musician or someone of artistic merit Mm -hmm. so the bardic culture is steeped in everything that we do uh, like i mentioned the eistedd vorday that's part of crowning of the bard which you could essentially say is like the king of wales <laughs> um king or queen of wales which mm-hmm. is 
through poetry. So that has absolutely informed my writing. My lyrics are really, really important, how I use symbology, which often refers back to ancient Welsh Welsh culture, um, which isn't just... Celtic people didn't really exist. That's just a terminology that... um, that people have used over the years to simplify everything. <laughs> uh, we were very tribal nations uh, that were highly sophisticated, that were trading silks across to Egyptian princes. We invented soaps and like, it's just incredible. And our spreading of information and knowledge through music and poetry was, it dates back to thousands and thousands of years. Um, and the idea of there's no such thing as good or evil there's just a natural state and natural being and just trying to connect to those ideologies and those feelings and those mythologies I suppose Um, yeah a really link to the Welsh goddess Branwen and her story Um, which does link me to the fact that people kept saying oh Stevie Nicks, Stevie Nicks at me and then looking into Stevie Nicks and realising she's written about Rhiannon which is from the Mabinogion she is uh, a Welsh goddess and, and just hearing that, that that Welsh culture was reaching out that far into the world and that people were still enthralled by it so that made me go oh that's cool <laughs> yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm doing that <laughs> This uh, Welsh conversation that we're having it's interesting Just and this is maybe a little bit off track here but I've tried to, you know, Jones is such a common last name, but everything I've researched is of Welsh origin. Now, I yeah. haven't gone as far as to get the, you know, you can do a genealogy test or whatever, but I just find it interesting. You two may be related. It's possible. <laughs> I love Jones in my family. I've got yeah. all, the, all the Welsh names, Davis, Jones, Williams, Evans, got a lot. <laughs> <laughs> um, so with poetry really being a big part of your culture and growing up, yeah. I guess really what what is done to kind of to nurture that to grow I guess people's love of poetry is that something you do in school focus on are there competitions is it just like local stuff with towns and villages um yeah um I I can't really say whether it's prevalent now because I okay. haven't actually lived in Wales since I was 15 I actually okay. moved, I moved away to England with full scholarship to a music school and then just ended up in Europe and London, all sorts of places. But um, when I was growing up, it was encouraged in school. Um, I knew my great-grandmother who knew her great-grandmother, and we all grew up going and listening and watching group poetry, solo poetry, um, choral <laughs> ensembles, like Welsh male voice choirs or something that is a big deal around there. Everyone sings. Everybody is a singer everybody writes everybody speaks with um, majesty and prowess and distinction it's great <laughs> i would be uh, very intimidated if i had to go to wales and talk to people i think <laughs> no they, they're really friendly they're a bit mad but they're really friendly. <laughs> um so you spoke about your family and going to things with your family like some of these competitions or hearing people uh, with poetry you've got a pretty good musical history in your family would you mind kind of expanding on a little bit of that yeah, my um my great grandfather was a tenor. He he was had he'd actually done an international tour of the world in the nineteen twenties. Um and then he came back after that and, and decided he was quite homesick. Don't relate to that. Um and then the Second World War 
broke out. So then he obviously enlisted in the army and then ended up in Burma for nine years after that. So his musical career never really went anywhere after that. But my grandmother, his daughter, was a classical pianist and she won a full scholarship to the Royal College in London, which is a huge deal. But um, her mother, my great-grandmother, told her, no, you'll never earn money as a concert pianist. <laughs> Go be a secretary. So, yeah, instead of typing on the ivories, she's typing on the old typewriter. Oh, there. that's so sad. But she used to play for me. So I used to sing German Leader and she'd be playing all this the Schubert well I'd be singing over it or a, a bit of Mozart or something so that's quite special you don't really have that a lot in this world do you grandmothers playing for the <laughs> yeah no yeah it's cool now with your vote did you have um you said you did some opera and some other things did you have a lot of vocal training or is that just something that naturally came to you yeah um I'm definitely a natural singer but then I uh, went to the famed opera singer from the famed family O'Neill's, Patricia O'Neill. Mm-hmm. She taught me everything I know about my vocal education, which is all to do with exploration and perception and the understanding of uh, how my body is a resonator and how my vocal tract is, is a resonator and it's unique. Um, I'm actually a trained opera singer I teach vocals I'm a a choir master myself and I currently lecture at a music college in Brighton so wow uh, my musical education is yeah it's up there yeah I went to Wells Cathedral School as well which is one of the best music schools and yeah I can definitely testify for that my experiences were one of a kind there it was amazing I'm going to be googling a lot of things about Wales, uh, when we're off this call. Wales (laughs) Wales Cathedral School. So this is in Somerset, not in Wales. No, I mean Wales in general, just from your upbringing. Because, you know, everybody always talks about England and Wales is a smaller country. I know attached to the greater UK and Mm -hmm. we don't often get to talk. I don't think I've ever spoken to anybody from Wales before. Yeah. um, It's an interest. If you go into the history of Wales and not from an English perspective... Because you have to understand the winner of a war, obviously, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the actual stories there, don't they? Um, they uh, they're Anglo-Saxon. They're not from. They are invaders. They are. It's still prevalent now. There are still cultural things that divide us, um, and I don't think the English quite understand it sometimes, or are willing to embrace it. It was my great grandmother, for example who brought me up as a small child remembers people wearing knots around their neck to represent that Welsh was their first language, which was seen as a dirty thing. Hmm. Treated as a third class citizen. Um, You know, there was one point where there was a law. If you were caught speaking Welsh, you'd have your tongue cut off. It's the oldest language in Europe. It's the oldest language in Europe. If you, if you put that in, if you think about that, that's incredible. It is incredible. Masonic language. Yeah. So um, it's something that is really, really special to Welsh people, the language itself. It's it's a first language for many people. They don't learn English till they're four or five until they go to school. And, yeah, it's not going to be really talked about within British culture unless you talk to a, Celtic, a Welsh person or Irish person from their point of view in Ireland or the, the Gaelic you know, language in Scotland and, and what, it, what it meant to them and what their history is. Because, like I say, we're all different tribes. We all have totally different history and, and things going on. So, yeah. <laughs> That's really cool. 
So prior to COVID and like, yeah. and then when it's done again too, like what kind of a, of a, of a music culture scene is there where you're at and as you've been coming up? Yeah, so I was in London. I've just moved to the East Coast, so I'm now in Eastbourne, which is near Brighton, which is a lot sunnier. But I, I was in London for years and years, and, and that scene, uh, it changed quite a lot before COVID because venues are already closing down. Um, we were We had a lovely following. I always chose the best venues that cultivated roots music and culture such as the troubadour and the half moon in putney the bedford in balham they're magical places where music you can still walk in and witness the the next top acts you know you could witness the next ed sheeran or you could witness the the next beth hart you know like that those are the different types of acts that you get um i think people are trying to reignite that again um, I know that Troubadour, they're trying to ignite the, their blues nights and their rock and roll nights with Aidan Connell and the Daybreakers, again with Connor Selby and, and people like that. There is some sort of psych rock scene going on in London that um, people come out and get dressed up for, for sure. So who, like, of your contemporaries around your age has been playing as long as you, like, who might be someone that we may not have heard of where you'd say like these, you know, this band is really, really good. Oh, that's yeah. You have to make going to get me thinking. Um, like I like the Daybreakers, like I say, but they're pretty underground. I don't know if they've released anything recently. Uh, Fire in her eyes, Amy Montgomery, an amazing Irish singer songwriter she's really rocky as well amy montgomery definitely recommend her um a georgia van etten is killing it at the moment i think she's amazing chanelli brothers always got a lot of respect for them they work their bums off and they're amazing musicians um yeah that's that's everyone else. and obviously mike ross we're good friends he works his butt off as well yeah <laughs> One of the nicest guys you'll meet, and he's a prolific guitar player. And is not, I don't think he doesn't, there's nothing he doesn't know about the guitar. So if you want to pick his brain about that, he's, he's amazing. Yeah, we um, had him on the podcast a couple months ago. Was he our first across the pond? No, he was second. I think second. Uh, Southern Brother was number yeah. one. But he was a delight to talk to, just super friendly, extremely knowledgeable. We did get in, like music talk. You know, Brian and I both like the Black Crows. He's had some experience with the dudes from the Black Crows. Um, yeah, I mean, he's, he's just great. Have you done any recordings or any singing or touring with him at all? Yeah, um, I've done quite a few gigs with Mike, actually, um, on the old electric piano and some backing vocals and stuff. We did Colin Blues Festival a few years back, and then um, I invited him then when I got invited back as Jade Like the Stone for my <laughs> acoustic set to play with me. Um, and he did some backing and some incredible acoustic guitar um yeah and we've yeah we've done bits and bobs together he's great yeah that would be awesome i think you know your musical proclivities proclivities can't speak there you go my southern accent is trying to preach out i'm trying to stop it would i think would work really well together because he's got a little bit of a retro rock kind of sound with him and you've got that 60s 70s kind of prog psych kind of rock like you talk about Yeah, it definitely it marries well together, and um, I'm sure we'll do lots of other music in the future. He's and he always- likes super band, so you know you can get the Jade like the Stone, the Mike Ross band super band going. 
Definitely. I definitely do something like that in the future. <laughs> so how about any, uh, you know, bands from America, like once again, have been around about the same amount of time as you, similar styles or anything anything yeah. that you, you like? Oh, that's a great, um, I think they're a bit bigger than me, but I've always loved the Growlers. Um, obviously, they're a lot bigger than me, but they're phenomenal. Oh, there's so many people, actually. The Black Lips think they're mm-hmm. amazing. I think Chelsea Wolfe is incredible. Uh, Lauren Ruth Ward, Emma Ruth Rundle. Oh, wow, they're quite similar names, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> that was a happy coincidence. Um, I think they're incredible. Um I'm sure there's many that will come back to my brain. It's gone a little bit blank right now, but those are the the, the names that are prominent right now. Yeah. So, <laughs> how much does how much does blues music uh, come into your when you create music at all? I think the aspect of blues in which we connect to a true expression the expression that you can't put into words it's only that melody and music can translate into that that's the aspect that i use in my music and that that's what speaks to me i think blues is much more than just a genre i think it, it music is undefinable sometimes and i think that quality that undefinable quality of blues is the soul of it isn't it and that's transferable into so many different genres and colors and sounds and i think yeah that's what i've i've always connected to as a musician and i can hear in other people's music as well that i love so with the music you've created can you kind of like go into telling us like which you know any singles or records that that you've you know, put out to this point. Yeah, um, well, we've been slowly releasing all the singles from the Seven Roads album, which right. is all on Spotify and, and loads of other platforms. Um, and it'll be ready to, uh, to to order on vinyl and a wonderful CD as well. Um, and we've done uh, live videos for every single one of those tracks. So they're, they're, most of those are out at the moment. Oceans of Words being the latest one. Um, and then I'm going to go and go into the studio and start to record my solo album, which will be quite a different sound to this collaborative album that I have just done. So, yeah, that's the plan so far. So on this album that's coming out, you've got six tracks released already? Yes. Six. How many are total on the album? Uh, seven. Seven. A little cheeky bonus, like, uh... instrumental at the end there. Okay. And when is the official release date of the album? We haven't given it official release date, okay. but we have said in, in a couple of months. Okay. I know on your website, you can go in and pre-order the CD. You can pre-order the vinyl. You can see, listen to the songs. You can in videos. Uh, Spotify has them. Amazon has them. Um, is your website really the definitive place to go or should we go somewhere else? Absolutely. If you go to the, if you go to the website, it'll all be linked on the shop and everything's on there from my Facebook to my Insta to a- absolutely everything, including um, Bands in Town. Is it Bands in Town? Band yeah, Camp. there's a Bands in Town app. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Bandcamp. That's the one. So yeah, I'm on all It's a really well done website. looks great. It flows awesome. I don't know if you did that or one of your friends, but they did a good job. They did a banger job. I did, I did it. Thanks. Oh, <laughs> so not only are you a poet, a singer, uh, you know, an opera singer, you're also a webmaster. Definitely not a webmaster. No, no, no. It's many <laughs> hours of shouting at technology. <laughs> <laughs> but 
but we got there in the end. <laughs> yep. Is there a particular track off this album that that you know speaks to you the most, or you could really say, "Hey, this is like the one." I think there's two for me actually: yeah. Blackbirds and Lightning, um, because they most like the original sound. I think because obviously with collaboration there is it's not just about your musical identity and i think those two really hark back to the original forms but blackbirds is a very personal song in itself because of the subject matter and um and it was the first single that we released and everybody was really excited about so yeah i'm really attached to it okay what's the other what's the other track then it's called lightning Light- um, okay so what uh, is lightning I just, I just love it because it's good vibe. I like playing it. Like I always put it in a set. I always want to sing it. So I don't care if anyone else don't like it. I do. <laughs> so, yeah. That's all that matters. I mean, you, that's your music. You should like it and perform it. Yeah. <laughs> what does that say about the rest of the music that I do? I don't know. <laughs> well, listen, you know, I'm, I'm in a band and we release tracks, but you, there, you have favorite tracks and the band doesn't always agree with the favorite tracks are. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> you know, I like the ones that I write. <laughs> it's like jokes, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. You're going to like your jokes better than others or pretend to at least. <laughs> so can you talk a little bit about Oceans of Words, the, the latest single? Yeah, Oceans of Words. It's the one track that's the true collaborative track in the sense that Steph and Rettenbacher and Grant Watson are co-writers. Um, they brought the track to me well they gave me a few tracks and they went which one are you vibing with at the moment and I picked that one and I just added some vocals and harmonies and melody on the top and um, voila yeah nice live performance got it out there it was a lot of fun to put together so I think we might be into that part of the show where Jason likes to ask some random questions and does some lightning round stuff oh god if, if you're up for that. <laughs> She she must must have heard about it because I heard oh god come up the lightning round like oh my brain's not that fast the lightning round is so much like songs or jokes it's my favorite part of the podcast because I get to answer ask questions and hear interesting answers cool so real simple questions first thing that comes to your mind like you know it's it's don't overthink these they're they're pretty basic stuff okay got ya what's the first album you ever owned. I don't know. We just had music everywhere, and I was. What's the first one you could remember playing or getting? The score by the Fugees. That's the one. I oh played. wow! Okay. Over and over, and I listened to it the other day and was like, "Oh my god, it is still this amazing!" Yeah. So yeah, the score. Did you like Lauren Hill's um, solo stuff as well? Yeah, Miseducation of Lauren Hill was massive. Like it was '96, wasn't it? So I was in college at the time. Yes, that sounds right. And I also had my little tape player to school and just be like in awe of her, like, ah, on the bus. Yeah. <laughs> what was the first concert you ever attended? Again, I, I won't be able to remember. It's What's the just, first one you can remember going to? How's that? Hey, hey, on why jazz festival? Yeah, Hey on Why Jazz Festival, because they were wild peaches, and it was so sunny, and it was amazing jazz. And we had some American, really famous American jazz pianists over, and it was just the best summer ever. Yeah, that, yep. I think it was 93, something like that. This <laughs> year I graduated high school, so, you know, that's big, big dates for me. I'm old. Um, 
when you're listening to live music, do you focus on a particular instrument or the vocals? Ooh, that's a great question. Um, it depends what's singing to me. Sometimes if the guitar line is so melodic and and lyrical and is telling a story, I, I'm going to have to listen to that. Um, yeah. it, it depends on the musicality and, and, and what is talking to me at that time. Sometimes it can be just a texture that I just get a bit obsessed with. I'm like, oh, I like that little rhythm over there. But lyrics are a massive focal point. If I can hear the lyrics, then I'm going to focus in on that, definitely. But really, I mean, I guess generally you do like to listen to lyrics for the story they're telling or for, you know. Yeah, okay. yeah. If if I if I can't if I, if I don't like the lyrics I can't listen to the song, yeah. <laughs> Are there any songs that you can't listen to you because of the lyrics that we would know? Oh, it's probably millions. <laughs> <laughs> Anything that sticks out in your mind right away, like just because hey, I, uh, uh, I can't stand Blink One Eighty Two or I can't stand like. Oh, what was she, she sang the song "Kissing You" in Romeo and Juliet? You know the Baz Luhrmann thing, and but then she did a, a follow-up single. Oh, I can't remember her name right now because I'm terrible at this. I don't know. The lyric is: "Then I saw a ghost eating toast on a post." It's that song. It has to be number one. I think if anyone googles it, it's just going to come up straight away. Life, all life, that one. Who is that? I don't know. So I'm gonna. So this is the second podcast we've now had in the last two months, Brian, where Baz Luhrmann has come up in the podcast. Yeah, interesting. So I will tell you the first story. that This is why I like asking these lightning round questions, because we never know where things are going to go to. But anyways, we had a uh, blues artist, a guitar player and singer by the name of J.D. Simo. Um, He was talking a little bit. We were getting into really what's been going on with him and COVID, what's been keeping him busy. He's helping score a movie about Elvis Presley that Tom Hanks is producing and starring in and Baz Luhrmann is directing. That's cool. Well, you can tip your cap and say, I've, I've done it now. That's <laughs> marvelous. You brought it back to Baz Luhrmann. Thank you very much. I do have another link to Baz Luhrmann for you. Let's, well, come on. We're in the subject. Go ahead. So I do professional uh, singing work and choir work, and uh, I'm a part of the choir of ba- of that do Romeo and Juliet live at Union Chapel. So yeah. we, we sing the songs from Baz Luhrmann, <laughs> Romeo and Juliet, and then people watch the film in the setting of the Union Chapel like it would be in, in the chapel in the film. It's pretty cool. So now you have to do a sequel when this Tom Hanks movie comes out, and you have to do Baz Luhrmann doing Tom Hanks doing Elvis stuff. Yeah. I wonder what the setting will be. (laughs) (laughs) No, but I would, I would definitely check that out. That would be pretty awesome. Um, Okay. Moving on to other questions. What's the favorite, what's your favorite concert you've ever gone to? Wow. Uh, What's my favorite concert I've ever gone to? Uh, Not performed, but gone to as a, as a, you know, I think it's going to be The Pretty Things or Terry Reid when he did Olympic studio sessions um, because it was just him on guitar and he literally told us stories more than he played music. Sure. <laughs> it was just amazing. That's yeah. always cool too. Do you, I don't. There used to be a, a show called Storytellers. I think BH1 played it. Um, but this when artists would get on, they play a song, tell a story about the song or something. Play. I always really enjoy that as well you know you, hey what's the background on this what's going on how did this come about 
Yeah, it was like being in a living room with him because he wasn't just telling a story. He was literally like at moment, not just at me, but other audience members, like literally talking to you and, and involving you in the process, which I just thought was amazingly endearing and super personable and just made me connect to him as an artist even more. Have you done a show like that? I think I'm like that in every show, to be honest. I just okay. I just start chatting at people, especially if I'm comfortable. I'm 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 going to start cracking up jokes and making myself laugh. And then if other people laugh with me, then I know I'm in. You know, <laughs> if they don't laugh, it's going to go. what kind of jokes do you tell? Are you telling like corny dad jokes? Are you telling like blue jokes? What are you doing? I, they're not set. They're just little, okay. Just whatever comes up. Whatever comes off. It's normally self-deprecating in some way. Yeah. Okay. We go back in time to your hometown in Wales. Okay. What was your favorite place to go and eat? What are you talking about, Merthyr? There is no places to go and eat other than fish and chip shops. <laughs> um, I, okay, okay. It's going to have to be Hing Hong's at three o'clock in the morning when we've all been kicked out um, and May's just slapping the backs of boys' heads for being cheeky. Yeah, <laughs> Hing Hong's. Is there a particular like dish that you like best there? <sighs> Anything hot at that point at three o'clock. Okay. <laughs> But the lemon chicken was great. Okay. Was- um, that's good. Uh, okay. What is your favorite venue to perform in? Well, uh, can I say two? Yeah, absolutely. I have to say three. Half Moon Putney, Troubadour Oils Court, and the Bedford and Ballam. Those Are those in England or somewhere else? They're all in London. London, They're- okay. They're all second homes to me. Um, they've either helped me in my career or um, they've given me residencies or um, they're just really magical places to be as a musician. Nice. Okay. Going back to your last question, because I totally blanked on it. Is there a traditional Welsh dish or the dish of Wales that you could tell us? <laughs> there are a few. Okay. The most famous one is cheese on toast or the Welsh rabbit. Okay, I was I've I've been friends with a lot of British and and and, and New Zealanders. The British dudes always did beans on toast. Beans on toast, yeah, that's just standard, you know, student dish times. Or when your mum can't be bothered, just smash the butter on the toast. <laughs> put that can up. Is cheese on ch- toast the same thing, or is it like a different type of bread? Or no, cheese on toast. Like I know you can get gourmet cheese on toast where they whip in some cream and. Uh-huh. They do- amazing stuff but you know your basic person like me is just gonna have a big slab of white bread and you get your cheddar some people put butter on it and you just smash it under the grill and off you go and then if you're feeling crazy you could put a bit of ham with it you know you can be mad but it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah wild li- hey brian wild living in wales is putting ham on your your cheese sandwich it's good to know <laughs> that sounds like a grilled cheese sandwich a little bit to me like kind of what we do right i throw ham and you know i like a slice of tomato on my grilled cheese sandwich to be honest but you with you say the most famous welsh dish and it is okay. everyone has a form <laughs> just call it welsh rabbit <laughs> great uh, if you had a chance to play with any artist or group at any period in time history for one night who would it be the doors the doors no shit yeah. Definitely. Straight. Now, don't tell me you're you're a fan of of uh, 
of uh, uh, Jim Morrison's um, poetry, are you? Um, I like the stuff that's on his albums and he's speaking, you know, like child. The songs. Have you have you read his poetry? I have read his poetry. And do you know what? Somebody expressing themselves in, in that way, I don't have anything against it. I've been, I've been brought up with poetry. I've been sure. brought up with all sorts of types of poetry as well and storytelling. So I just see it as Jim being very expressive and Jim and I just think it's he's brilliant he makes me laugh as well I think I I think he's 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 not fully serious all the time for sure for sure um, yeah great great music great band great sounds just the magnetism and the yeah you know you've seen the doors you know of course of course uh so now you're on stage with the doors are you singing the songs are you playing the piano are you what do you want to do I think I would do back in. I think I would do some mad harmonies. I would definitely get get into some like pedal to you know, those drone like notes and, and mm-hmm. like that and go into modal harmony or something. That'd be really cool. And then yeah, I can imagine doing that. And they said, Hey, Jade, we want you to sing one of our songs. What are you choosing? Oh, that's an amazing question. Um Oh, Peace Frog. I love that one. Okay. Yeah, that's classic choice. Yeah, it just gets me dancing. That's pretty cool. Um, yeah, let's go with Peace Frog. Well, you know, given your music and what we're hearing from you, I can absolutely tell you've got the doors and that kind of 60s, late 60s, early 70s kind of period of that. Again, psychedelic rock, as we said a couple of times. Yeah. Are there any bands from that time as, as well that are a big influence on you, like Jefferson Airplane or anything else that's sort of in that same vein? Um, again, like when I started writing, when I'm writing, I don't necessarily take influences from people. I think the reason I'm, I'm drawn to that type of music is be is the same reasons why I'm drawn to those types of sounds when I'm writing or I, I or I'm in a jam. I love drone like sounds. I love those pentatonic uh, movements um and, and modal forms of harmony. Um I just love anything with space and the ability to grow and tell a story. So yeah, ab- yeah, I love Jefferson Airplane, really cool really cool bands of that era. Um let me think. Judy Hensk is pretty cool. I love that album she did with is it Jerry yesteryear her husband? I've never heard of her, so I'm shaking my head. I have no clue. Oh, okay, well, just she, she's cool. I like that. I liked her kind of things that she did. I love Neil Young. Neil Young, okay. Yeah, he's got such a good soul, isn't he? And it just seeps through. Good storyteller, right? You talk about like in somebody the lyrics. His stuff tells amazing stories. Beautiful, and and it does political writing so well. You know, like yeah, interweaved into everything that he does, but without being. I'm a political writer, you know? Yeah. Oh, he has a famous song about my state, Ohio, yeah. you know, the protest song. And it is incredible. I mean, it brings a tear to my eye when I hear it. Yeah. Have you heard Modest Mouse song, Ohio? I have not. I've heard a couple of their like radio hits, but not that song. Oh, it's one of my faves. Okay. I love Modest Mouse, actually. That, that I should have mentioned them a lot sooner because they, they're, they're definitely a big and i don't want to say influence but like there's a big place in my heart for them love them they're a cool band and they've had a couple different sounds too when they hit it big with uh float on right is that their big hit yeah we all flow yeah and that was a little bit different than some of the earlier stuff wasn't it i love their earlier stuff 
I feel like you can hear what drugs they were on on each other. <laughs> you can <could>, tell. <laughs> this is the acid album. This is the weed album. This is the, you know, yeah, I can hear it. It's great. <laughs> um, You know, you're somebody who focuses on lyrics and, you know, write nice lyrics and like to focus on them. What is one song that you listen to and like, man, I wish I wrote that song? That's a great uh, question and something I have never thought about. Ha ha. Um, there is one particular lyric, just one line that I just think the simplicity of it is just perfect. And that is, we are two, we could be two straight lines in a crooked world. Hmm. And that's Chelsea Wolfe. And that, that, that lyric just slays me every time. I'm like, yeah, that's perfect. And anything Towns Van Zandt has written, actually. Oh, my God. He's just, whenever you listen to his lyrics, you're like, what? <laughs> I love, yeah, Towns. Okay. Um, What is your all-time favorite book? My all-time favorite book? Um, I would say I'm reading a lot of Lovecraft at the moment. So, Well, that's... if you're reading Lovecraft, I'll be interested to hear the solo album that's coming out because that's got influenced the hell out of it. Yeah, yeah, I think Lovecraft has anyway. The the idea of inducing vertigo on the reader. I, I'd love to induce vertigo on the listener, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be really cool. Um, yeah, he's really cool. Um, and what else? If you're talking about being a young girl, Roald Dahl absolutely influenced my morality and my code of morality. He was just one of those voices that really spoke to you, especially if you were a child in difficult times and circumstances. I think he was that voice for you, and and I think he still holds a special place in my heart. But, yeah, him and Lovecraft, very oppositional. (laughs) Really? That's... (laughs) You're gonna to have to do like a uh, a concept album, like two sides. One's Lovecraft. One... Yeah, one's <laughs> light and dark. Yeah. See, my dogs even like that. We can't get through one podcast without an animal barking on these things. Love them. And Brian's dog has been really good this time. It's my dog mm-hmm. being bad. She's sleeping right there. Ah, I'm sure mine are upstairs looking out a window, and some a leaf blew off a tree or something. Who knows? Wow. They're stupid. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Everybody's been kind of locked down for the last year or so. And I think streaming and video stuff has kind of been a part of our life typically. Do you have a go-to concert like on YouTube, on a streaming service or something that you watch or listen to to make you remember live music or feel good about live music or get you ready to get back out with live music? Yeah, like I literally watched it yesterday. It's that live concert, I think it's in New York, that The Knife did. And it's just like one amazing party. You can't even tell who the actual brother and sister duo are that make up the knife, because <laughs> they're all they're all taking over the vo- vocals and harmony and main parts, and they've got invented instruments on the stage, and they're doing dance routine. It's absolutely incredible and a full art piece and something that's completely immersive. And I think if that ever goes on the road again, I'd have to go be a part of that. It would be so nice. Cool. Yeah, because I kind of find out, and I, I even myself is like just finding good concerts or new concerts to listen to and watch because we're not really having them. And it makes gives you a sense of normal, feels like a little bit of normalcy. And yeah, you know, definitely. Now, staying on the, the streaming question, have you picked up a particular series or movie on a streaming service that you like or would recommend to people? 
I've actually not been doing movies or anything at the moment. Not that much, anyway. Um, I've been doing more podcasts. Okay. I like being stimulated by conversation. Um, it's like being told stories, isn't it? And, mm-hmm. I, and I love people that are absolutely honest and quite candidly so and quite embarrassing with, it, with their openness and truths. So Tiger Belly is number one for me for that reason. Cause it's, Tiger Belly, okay. Absolutely brilliant. And then that whole family of comedians, anything around that, like that new podcast, Bloodbath, just brilliant. Absolutely cracks me up. So, yeah. <laughs> so sticking on the con- the subject of podcasts, what is your favorite podcast devoted to blues and Southern rock? music? Wow. I, I think it's... <laughs> Yeah. It's it's like we we practiced that. That was a great yeah. setup for us. <laughs> Absolutely. This is the only one I listen to. So. <laughs> Brian, soundbite for our marketing right there. <laughs> Jade like the stone. This is the only one I listen. He to. recommends the All Things Blues and Southern Rock podcast. It's the only one she listens to. Okay. <laughs> do you have? I guess not. Do you have? What is your guilty pleasure pleasure song or artist or just something we might be surprised? that you like i don't know i've got such a range of, of sure you life. do that's why this should be an interesting answer i have no idea i think i have impeccable taste so i don't have anything to be embarrassed <laughs> like are you into boy bands or you know uh, norwegian death metal or something that week you know i think norwegian death metal would be quite cool actually norwegian death metal is cool yeah, exactly. So you wouldn't be embarrassed about that. That's not a guilty secret. Um, I don't know. Maybe some emo bands back in the day, but not like what you would call commercial emo bands, more like kids in glass houses, that kind of like, I'm whining. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's curious and carrying on your love of Morrissey. Let's bring in Morrissey, like oh, the yeah. emotional, right? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I don't like, yeah, I do love Morrissey, but I don't listen to what he says, if that makes sense. I, trust me, separate the art from the artist. Absolutely. He, he said some, some interesting things uh, yeah. recently. Yeah, and I don't, I don't care what he says to me. It's not for me to judge. I, it's whatever. I do. I love the, the albums, and that's not going to change that for me. So He's yeah. a grumpy old man, I think, right? Like, we all get there someday. Yeah, man. It's just a different opinion that we can get all hit up about, isn't it? It makes life a little bit more interesting. <laughs> we have plenty of people like that in the U.S., so I, I know where you're coming yeah. from. Okay, my last question, and this is a little bit more than a long, a short answer. It's maybe a long one, but give us a really good story from like your tour and or performance time. Something good, something bad, something just interesting. Some, the first thing that popped in your head, like, wow. <laughs> I've got a lot of I'm sure we, yep. Um, What do you want? Do you want embarrassing? Do you want strange? It's your choice. And we've had people who walked in on orgies. We've had people who've gone to house parties with Eminem and Marilyn Manson and skipped going out with Dave Grohl to do so. We've had fist fights with Ted Nugent's manager. Like, it's it's your choice. Okay. I'm going to just go bizarre then. I'll just go bizarre weird um as de bellows we were once booked to go to the isle of wight now we probably guys like isle of mm-hmm. wight yeah 
cleaned off off the off of England, and you have to make a whole load of fuss to get there, ferry and everything. It's quite expensive as well. But anyway, this promote promoter was like, "We'll pay you all this money, which was a, a nice, decent sum as a band. I'll pay for your hotel, the ferry, the petrol, the food. I've paid for the theatre, the sound engineer. We're like, oh, this is going to be amazing. We've got a two-hour set. This is going to be incredible." Um, and when we turned up, the promoter said. Um, there's going to be no one here because the guy that booked you has actively actively been stopping people from coming to this gig. <laughs> so we're like, okay. Um, and we proceeded to play a two-hour set to one man <laughs> and his girlfriend in a fully lit theatre. Um, and he only clapped for some of the songs. What did that mean? I don't know. But yeah, and that was it. <laughs> that was the most bizarre, weird, surreal, awkward. Ever done. It was really awkward. Yeah, full blown rock and roll set as well. So he essentially paid a lot of money to have a his own private concert with his girlfriend or whatever. Yeah, well, she hated it. She walked out after it. She she wasn't into. The, she she was actively saying, "I don't like rock music. <laughs> Why am I here?" Did do you think they broke up after the show? I don't know. I don't think he cared. He was like, "Whatever." That is, that's almost like a setup for a horror movie or something, to be honest with you. I sh- we should have filmed it. You it, should have filmed it. It was a whole story in itself. He was an interesting character. Yeah. Have you written a song about this experience? No, I haven't. You need to. I think that would be really good. Yeah, yeah. It was. I don't know what you would call it, but I, you can figure it out. The isolated man. <laughs> the isolated man. <laughs> that can go on... on the side of your, you know, your um, concept album on uh, the horror <laughs> side. Yeah. yeah, there you go. There's the Lovecraft side of things. It's the Lovecraft. That's right. The Lovecraft side of it. Because we're oh. fully lit and can't see. And then there's the dark of the theater. So, yeah, that it does set up that scene quite well, doesn't it? And then the I, I can visually see, like, in my mind, it's very vivid. Yeah. So, they, that, that, that's the most surreal thing i've done i suppose but yeah. okay well i get co-songwriting credit for the idea just as you do it <laughs> or give me give me a thanks in the liner notes or something all right <laughs> oh yeah you should, well definitely if that happens <laughs> <laughs> all right jade you answer the lightning round questions really well thank you for for hanging in there and doing that it's always my favorite part just to hear this random information that come out cool <laughs> Um, so best place to go is your website. Where can we find your website? Yes, www.jadelikethestone.co.uk. And um, everything relevant, all the links are on there. And uh, say hello. I will. I normally reply. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, Again, like I said earlier, it's a really done well, done well website. Uh, the music's on there. You can listen to it. You can buy it. You have links to a lot of the other things that you've done here. It is great. People go out and check it out. Check out Jade Like the Stone and her music. It's, I love it. I think it's, it's great. It's got a good groove. I was listening to it this afternoon while I was doing some work, and it helped me power through it. So well done. Thanks. <laughs> All right, Brian. All right, Jade. Thank you so much for coming on. We got oh. Jade Williams from Jade Like the Stone. Uh, the latest single is Oceans of Words. And uh, give us again the title of your record and when it's coming out. Yeah, it's Seven Roads, and it'll be out in a couple of months. So that'll be about the end of June, beginning of July. And Seven Roads because of seven tracks on the album? 
Yep, seven tracks with seven different destinations. Nice. I like that. Yeah. And one of them leads to a Isle of Wight and a stage <laughs> by yourself. Yeah, absolutely. And the darkness and the precipice of a clapping hand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody, go out and uh, hear, you know, go to your streaming services, listen to these songs, get the record. You said it's coming out on vinyl. Yeah, which I'm very right excited. On. Yeah, I'll be really- ordering it for sure. So. Thank you again, Jade, for coming on. If you don't mind hanging out for just a couple minutes when we get done rolling here, that'd yeah. be great. So thank you again to Jade Williams and Jade from The Stone. Well, that's our conversation with Jade Williams. Very delightful, uh, very, you know, uh, just wonderful to talk to. And uh, would you, what's your uh, major takeaways from that, Jason? Um, man, an interesting background from the kind of the musical family to some of the edu- musical education that she had I mean, singing opera doing a bunch of stuff to kind of where she ended up now doing this kind of folksy bluesy 60s style psychedelic like rock music it's that's pretty cool and learn more about wales a country i didn't know a whole heck of a lot about right that was very fascinating you know um i have to re-listen to the podcast take more notes and go back and, and pick out a couple things for sure yeah you know i was surprised that she brought up liking the doors as much as she did i See, and that's why I like asking that question a lot, because, you know, it's interesting what people are going to say and why. And I was surprised by that as well. But it's, it almost makes sense where some of that really some of the style of music you could hear. You can hear a little bit of that in her mm-hmm. tunes. It, you know, it does, I mean, just, yeah, that kind of psych rock kind of thing. And just, you know, I guess Jim Morrison, way he was just kind of way out there with his writing. Uh, he was and she was very um generous and kind i think on like you know i'm not a jim morrison poetry guy and no i'm not a you know, doors guy i had a, a a dude i knew in high school was way into the doors and way into jim morrison's poetry and i just remember reading a couple of things in one of the books i was like oh my god this is terrible <laughs> <laughs> you seem like a dark guy he, he well he had some demons for sure but no it was great you know i love the across the pond episodes are always good to connect with other artists overseas and they know each other to learn more about them and i i dig her stuff like i that new album's killer and um i'm going to check out some of the, the clips or some of the songs where she's with the i can't pronounce the name of that the orchestra or funkestra band yeah. see what that's all about yeah um and i really liked when she you know she knows mike ross and obviously we already know he's a great guy i think everybody must know mike ross in the uk if you're in england if you're in music Mm -hmm. he's that type of guy he's i mean a good dude yeah for sure and she knows els bailey so hopefully we can get a you know across the pond round table here off in the future and i meant to talk to her about a track heavy like stone too which i think the first song i heard which is really good. I mean, that's a total bluesy, soulful mm-hmm. rocker. Um, I mean, it's just a good track. And that's not off her upcoming album. I think that was some older material. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, great, great conversation. Great to hear that she started out classical piano and has such a great musical background. You know, what else can you say? She would play keys or bass or sing with the doors or maybe we're going to see the super band with Mike Ross at some point. <laughs> could be and i like the idea of the um uh, the concept album where it's the light and dark based on the reading material come on that's great how can you not who doesn't want a cthulhu or uh, not cthulhu a um oh gosh i just blanked on the name of um the writer uh 
anyway, who who would not want a themed album like that? I certainly love craft. Love craft themed album. Let's do it. I think uh, we'd all like that. So, having said that, we'll say this. Always remember, Southern Rock is reverent and blues is blood. We'll see you next time. Wish you leave me a picture, seep your portrait of the life force in your eyes. I could drift to the backs of those oceans that'll pull me into time and tide.
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 